One of the most debated topics about Fallout 76, aside from the initial quality of the game and, and things like that, was the inclusion of the Brotherhood of Steel. Now the difficulty here is that the Brotherhood of Steel was on the West Coast. And go back and listen to the Brotherhood of Steel episode I did almost a year ago, and we'll learn about... Roger Maxson and the events at the Mariposa military base and the events that happened during that time were right as the the Great War was starting 2077 and Roger Maxson takes his soldiers his newly appointed paladins and members of the Brotherhood of Steel that he creates and moves them to their new military base and stays there for a very long time till about 2150 74 years there are some events that are recorded during that time and that come up in the lore but the major differentiation here and the major issue that people had with the idea that the brotherhood had somehow made its way to Appalachia was that they hadn't left California. They were still in the West. How did a group from the Brotherhood of Steel, the original group that Maxon was leading, make their way to Appalachia? Now, it's all solved because in the lore of Fallout 76, you come across holotapes with recordings of Roger Maxon contacting Elizabeth Taggarty. And that's what we're going to discuss this episode. This is all about how it was possible for an idea, or maybe even better stated, an ideology that was created over on the West Coast can be transmitted via radio to somebody thousands of miles away. And it would take root and it would grow a new group of people under a different leader, but somebody who would take to that ideology as well and create a whole new group of the Brotherhood of Steel. The earliest sound clip that we have of Elizabeth Taggarty is from a radio log dated August 29th, 2077. And I'm going to read this to you. It goes, Johnny Moreno, who says, trying band uh, AH-13, and then he sighs. Lieutenant, I've got something. Elizabeth Taggarty says, I can't make anything out. Sorry, working on it. And then Roger Maxson comes through and says, Maxson to Appalachia. I repeat, this is Captain Roger Maxson. Taggarty says, 
Give that to me. Maxon says, seeking any... Taggarty. Lieutenant Taggarty here. Captain, it's you? Lizzie, damn, it's good to hear a friendly voice. Captain, I heard... I heard you're a traitor. Traitor? If disobeying unconscionable orders makes you a traitor, then I suppose I am. Lizzie, I'm glad you're alive, but I need to find someone in Appalachia. Someone dependable. That's where I am. The Thunder was running war games against some jarheads. They still in one piece? By God, Lizzie. This... this is good news. Roger, you're a traitor. I could be court-martialed even talking to you. Look around, Lizzie. The army's gone. America's fallen. I know you have questions, but we need to talk. There are things I learned at Mariposa. I got a scientist with me, Dr. Takano. We'll set up a secure channel. I'll answer all your questions. Then, Captain? Lizzie, you know me. We need to talk. We'll monitor this band. Taggarty out. And from that moment on, the conversation continues between Roger Maxson and Elizabeth Taggarty, who, it is implied here, are old friends, or at least knew each other. So I'm pulling from the fandom.com wiki entry on Elizabeth Taggarty in order to consolidate some of the information succinctly, because that's what wikis are good at. And it says here that before the Great War, Elizabeth Taggarty was a lieutenant in the U.S. Army Rangers and a veteran of the Sino-American War, Sino-American War, uh, whatever pronunciation you, you want, uh, known for her aggressive and unconventional tactics. During her service, she commanded a U.S. Army Ranger unit called Taggarty's Thunder, serving under Captain Roger Maxson, with whom she eventually became close friends. Now, this is a wiki article, and in this section, it is citing the passage that I just read to you, the radio log, in saying that they became close friends. And I, I guess you could assume that by the tone of the conversation and by the way they use each other's names, there's a familiarity. But close friend may or may not be the words that I would use to describe the relationship. Maybe good, good friends friends, good acquaintances, something like that. Close friends seems, I don't know. It seems like if you were close friends, then they probably would have known where each other were located. And uh, I, I don't know. I think close friends is probably a, a, a jump, but we'll, we'll move on. In October 2077, the Thunder was sent to Appalachia to participate in war games, leading the Thunder against two units of U.S. Marines posing as hostile Chinese forces. She and her squad were looking forward to the exercise as well as the two-week furlough which would follow. However, they were surprised by the beginning of the Great War. After first dismissing the attacks as part of the simulation, the news of nuclear warheads striking multiple sites in the United States made it clear that the emergency was real. And it's interesting, when you listen to the audio logs, when you, when you read through the passages and you find out that they, they thought that this was a very well-done simulation of something that would happen at first, but then they realized that, no, this was not a simulation, that this information was correct, that they were under attack. 
It goes on and says, with the chain of command in tatters and nothing but static on the radio, the Thunder attempted to raise any kind of ranking officer to receive new orders and move forward. Taggarty was surprised to find Roger Maxson on the radio bands trying to contact someone in Appalachia. Although she was hesitant about speaking to a confessed traitor, their previous friendship made her decide to give Maxson a chance. Together with her unit, Taggarty moved to Camp Venture, an old survival training camp, where they spent the winter of 2077. Soon after, she ordered the camp reactivated to fill out the ranks of the Thunder. Eventually, recruits started appearing at the camp in numbers, primarily former soldiers looking for a way out. So during this time, you have to imagine what this must have been like. Put yourself in the shoes of a soldier who wants to defend their country. A group of well-trained soldiers who go by the name The Thunder. They must have been, most likely, some sort of elite group who were ready for anything. And here they are getting news during a training exercise that says that not only are we at war, but we have been bombed in multiple locations. And then the radio goes dark. Everything blacks out. There are no more transmissions. There are no more orders down the chain of command. Everything is silent. Can you imagine what that would be like? Those soldiers who felt like they could defend their country, they could at least contribute to something, were cut off. There was nothing they were able to do. They were seeking any sort of information, any sort of command from the leadership chain to say where they should go and what they need to be doing, and they received nothing. And so they spend the winter of 2077 in a camp. And I bet that winter was excruciating. The, probably the strangest winter of their lives. The world is falling apart. People are showing up on their doorsteps to recruit, but they have nowhere to send them. So from Taggarty's perspective, you can see why she was ready to receive orders from someone else, someone that she may have trusted, even if they were unconventional. She wanted to do something. She needed to do something. This is the kind of person who is willing to step out to try to make a difference in the world. It's like having a gun, but no ammunition. We want to shoot because that's what guns do. Or no target. You just don't know what to aim for. So the conversations between Maxon and Taggarty went on. Maxon eventually involved Taggarty and her men in the foundation of the Brotherhood of Steel, promising them a new beginning. And you can see why that would be so appealing. This idea of we are reuniting, even if it was under something a little bit wacky, a little bit different, a little bit something that wasn't quite the U.S. military, but something with a good premise, something with the ideals that she believed in and standing up for things that she knew would be important in this 
strange post-war existence. It goes on and says, Although Taggarty was skeptical, Maxon outlined his plan to give her and her men a new identity as members of the Brotherhood, both as a way to return meaning to their lives and combat the overwhelming depression that threatened to take what few survivors made it through the nuclear fire and to immunize them to the authority and any politicians that might emerge from the vaults, or in Appalachia's case, the White Spring Bunker, and begin the cycle of destruction again. Even though she did not initially believe in the cause, Taggarty accepted the new orders. And this is interesting. It's recorded in the holotape called About the Brotherhood. And it starts off with Taggarty saying, Thank you, Captain. It's just us. Maxon says, Lizzie, what's on your mind? A Brotherhood of Steel? What's that even mean? The men over here are confused. We need to do something bold. We can't just stay the U.S. Army. What's going to happen, and this is only a matter of time, is some general or some goddamn politician is going to exit a vault and start ordering us around. And worse, they'll order some grunt to start the whole damn cycle again. Another wave of nuclear death. And if that's not enough, they'll do it again. You know they will, Lizzie. It ends with us. We won't let them. I, I understand, but a brotherhood? Knights? I'm supposed to call you what? Elder? Words have power, Lizzie. They build identity. They take on a meaning if you keep using them, even if it didn't exist to begin with. It was the knights and scribes after the fall of Rome that protected what was left of Western civilization. So we are the new knights, and our role is similar. But we'll need more than names. We'll need new traditions, our own, well, mythology. Something people can believe to their core. Is this necessary? What else can I do? Declare myself president? Make you a senator? Look around. Something's killing us more than the rads and freaks out there. Depression. People have lost everyone. Every goddamn soul. Wives, kids, loved ones. Heck, even the mailman. We need to replace it with something otherwise people's souls will wither. We'll be little more than walking dead men. I'll do my best to see the orders carried out, sir. Give it time, Lizzie. People have a hunger to believe in something. Just let them work their way to it. And that's the moment that the Brotherhood of Steel was born in Appalachia. And you can see that she was a little skeptical, but she went with it. She, I, I think, and I would interpret this as, she understood in her core that the reasoning was right, even if the answer was a little bit odd. So she went with it. She probably saw the faces of the people around her. She probably felt in her own self that desperation, that depression, the feeling of loss, of confusion. She knew Maxon was right. People need something to believe in. And believing in something, the word belief, and this is one of those things that I toss around philosophically in my mind. The word belief and the word faith do not necessarily mean without evidence. They're more tied to a commitment and a hope. And when you model something in front of other people, when you model 
being something, being motivated, making a difference, then that becomes something that is very easy to believe in because you can see it with your own eyes. You can see the motivation. You can see the, the meaning in somebody else's life. That is the thing that we believe in. We believe that if that person can find the thing that we are longing, that we want, then we should be able to find it as well. That's the core of belief. So Taggarty took Maxon's suggestion and started going by Paladin Taggarty and changed things. So Paladin Taggarty became the head of the Appalachian chapter of the Brotherhood. Under her leadership, the Brotherhood worked closely with the responders to rebuild civilization in Appalachia. And after the break, we're going to talk a little bit more about how the Brotherhood and the responders worked together and what happened with the Scorched. So stay tuned. All right, so everybody knows how VPN services and ExpressVPN can protect your privacy and security online, right? But did you know that there are some secret hidden benefits to using ExpressVPN, like unlocking movies and shows that are only available in other countries? So if you're like me, you probably enjoy watching shows on Netflix, for example. Well, with ExpressVPN, you can unlock the UK version of The Office or Parasite from South Korean Netflix. Over a hundred different countries. All you have to do is change your location and refresh Netflix or whatever, Hulu, BBC iPlayer, YouTube, you name it. In fact, when I set it up for myself, I was surprised at how easy it was. It just installs and then loads up and works. And it works on more than just PCs, phones, media consoles, smart TVs, and so much more. So if you want to access hundreds of new shows, use my link right now, expressvpn.com slash falloutlore, and you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. That's expressvpn.com slash falloutlore, expressvpn.com slash falloutlore to learn more. Hello there, old chap. Good to see another of General Atomic's finest still eager to serve. Hey there, Wastelanders and Vault Dwellers. Welcome back to the Fallout Lorecast. I am your host, Tom, or Robots, as usual. And thank you for tuning in. I hope you guys are having a good time in your own vaults. Uh, most of us are still pretty well isolated at this point. But I, I hope you guys are doing well. As usual, the middle of this episode will be pretty quick. I just wanted to remind you guys that there are multiple ways that you can help support the show in order to help keep me going, keep delivering that lore and creating a podcast for you. And anything you do to help me out would be highly, highly appreciated. First of all, simply tell a friend or tell 10 friends. Anybody you know who's into Fallout, let them know about the show. That really, really does help. Word of mouth is absolutely the best way to get word out there. Secondly, if you are listening on any podcatcher that allows for ratings and reviews, then please drop me a five-star rating and a review. If you do so on Apple Podcasts, I can actually track that, and I will read it on the uh, end-of-the-month episode with our patrons. And speaking of patrons, if you are so inclined and you would like to drop me any sort of tip, every everything from like a dollar to more than a dollar, then go to patreon.com slash falloutlorecast and check out the different tiers and rewards. Even for just a dollar a month, you get a episode each week early, Whenever it's ready and up, up and ready to go, 
and there are no ads. So you get that along with other benefits for different tiers that you subscribe at. So go check those out. And I appreciate the support. You guys are amazing. Your support is what helps me to do this as much as I can and put all the time and effort into it that I can. So I very, very much appreciate it. And thanks to you guys, I can keep this going. So that's that's what's important to me. I just want to keep making good content and I know you guys enjoy it. So thank you so much. And now back to the rest of the show. If you have any questions about Nuka World, I'd be delighted to answer them. So as I noted before the break, the responders and the Brotherhood ended up working together. And this culminated at the Battle of Huntersville. And we have a speech from Taggarty in a holotape. And in it, she says, Civilization, the Brotherhood and responders together have paid a high price to make that word mean something in Appalachia. Despite all the changes, farmers have worked the land, people have learned new skills, and we've built a new world. And the super mutants threaten all of that. I'm a soldier, a paladin, and I tell you that this is our moment. We will never be stronger, and the super mutants never weaker. If you are thinking in the heat of battle to run, live to fight another day, know this. There is no other day. We win here, now, responders and brotherhood together, or we die. So look to your left, look to your right, promise to give your all to protect them, and they will protect you. Make no mistake, this will be the toughest fight of our lives, but we will win because we're fighting for something, for each other, for our children, for civilization. Now let's show these muties what we're made of. The Battle of Huntersville was in May of 2086, 10 years after the bombs dropped. 10 years of people trying to pull their lives back together. And a number of years after an infestation of super mutants. Now, Taggarty's leadership, although it was strained by her preference and bias towards soldiers and people with a military background, because she was, first and foremost, a soldier, carried the battle and confirmed Maxon's view that the Brotherhood could be the catalyst for something greater than the pre-war world. So almost a decade after speaking with Maxon and getting this idea that the Brotherhood was the way forward, it finally clicks. It really, it really, really clicks. And you can hear in the speech that she gives, that she calls herself Paladin. They have been working with these titles for a significant period of time. And this was bringing hope and purpose. But then there was the Scorched Plague. When the Scorched Plague led to the rise of Scorched and Scorched Beasts, Taggarty's troops found themselves locked in a war with no end in sight. She considered the use of nuclear weapons to take out the Scorched Beasts, believing it to be a necessary step, but was forbidden to do so by Elder Maxon. Although Lost Hills attempted to sustain them with their scientific expertise, providing automated research programs and weapon schematics to set up kill zones, they were unable to stem the tide of enemies. Eventually, the satellites failed and Lost Hills went silent, leaving Taggarty alone. 
to deal with the situation. Rather than cooperate with the responders or the free states, Taggarty tightened the ranks and planned to win the war with the Scorched Beast using those she could rely on, her soldiers. However, Taggarty's policy proved to be short-sighted. With no way to replace losses in the war, she was forced to abandon outlying outposts. Camp Venture was eventually abandoned on July 20th, 2093. As the Brotherhood called all remaining troops to focus their fire at Fort Defiance and Thunder Mountain Power Plant. Although the remaining squires completed their training, no new candidates were accepted. The Brotherhood focused entirely on fighting the Scorch Beasts, tapping all available sources of supplies. By January 2094, Taggarty authorized routine requisitions of food, missiles, fusion cores, and hundreds of rounds of conventional ammunition from all available sources. In a desperate attempt to end the scorched threat once and for all, the Brotherhood launched Operation Touchdown on January 29th, 2095, with Paladin Taggarty taking the most well-trained troops of the Brotherhood in order to confront the Scorch Beasts in their lair and destroy them. That operation claimed the life of Taggarty and her men, and she was declared dead by Senior Knight Wilson on February 2nd, 2095. And we know the rest of the story, or at least the rest of the Brotherhood in Appalachia's story. They weren't able to stem the tide. Maxon didn't want them to use the nuclear devices. He was against it. And so they had to go with more common weaponry. But that wasn't enough. We know how difficult the Scorch Beasts are. The Scorch Plague. It was more than they were able to handle and understand with the limited amount of information, the limited number of soldiers, and the difficult situation they were already living in. That was it. That was the end. Or is it? And this is where playing a game like this can be interesting in a way that playing a game like Fallout 4 or Fallout 3 or, or whatever that is a, a static game isn't really, it's not really the same thing. When you play Fallout 76 and you decide to be part of the Brotherhood, to join a group of fellow players and call yourself the Brotherhood and give yourself titles, then you are effectively taking on the ideology that was started by Roger Maxson in a real setting with real other humans in order to fight an enemy, in order to do good and win the day. And bring about the things that Taggarty spent her life seeking. Can we bring civilization back to Appalachia? We know from the other games that 200 years in the future, things are difficult across most of, most of America. But what about Appalachia? Can a group of players through the evolution of this game and the stories that Bethesda is creating bring about an oasis of hope, even if it's just temporary. Is that possible? I guess we'll see.
Thanks for tuning in, everybody. This has been your host, Tom, or Robots. And until next week, stay safe out there and have some fun in the game. And if you see a Brotherhood soldier walking around the wasteland, thank them for their uh, service. Talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the Fallout Lorecast. All sounds and music are owned by Bethesda Softworks, and no copyright infringement is intended. If you have something you'd like to contribute to the show, please contact us at falloutlorecast at gmail.com or follow us and post some messages to us on Twitter at falloutlorecast. And if you'd like to support the show, tell a friend or check out the rewards you can get for becoming a patron at patreon.com slash falloutlorecast. I really appreciate you listening and I'd love to hear from you soon. 